0: What's up church? Good to see you this morning. Real quick, can we just welcome everyone joining us online, our J family online? We love you. Glad you're tuning in. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Dave Jackson. I'm one of the pastors here at The Journey and I am super excited to get to kick off this series Unknown God. I'm so thankful that we have a pastor and Pastor Mark. I'm mean, thankful for Pastor Mark. He's so generous and trusting with these opportunities, and uh, he's out of town this weekend. Um, He'd love to be here. We got, we reached, uh, an organization that we partner with reached out to us, and they said, hey, we're we're sponsoring this uh, retreat for pastors and leaders all over the world. We want you to come, and uh, we'll take care of the cost. So pray for Pastor Mark. He's slumming it up in Hawaii right now. And y'all are stuck with me, so uh, get ready. <laughs> well, this week we're kicking off this new series, Unknown God. And I have to admit to you, when I, when I think about the unknown, there's this bit of intrigue and excitement that it just kind of stirs up in me. There's this side of me, this part of me that rises up, that loves to explore, that loves to to try new things, to go to new places, to to just kind of get lost in the unfamiliar, get lost in the unknown. My wife can tell you all about it. We like to ride motorcycles, and uh, we're part of a Motorcycle J group here at The Journey That We Love, and and every once in a while in the evenings, we get to go for these rides and just kind of clear our heads, and so a couple weeks back, we got on our motorcycle, We decided. To to go out for a ride and I got those big old ape hangers, so my arms are up like this, and I have my beats, headphones in, I'm listening to some music, I had my lady on the back, the sun is shining, things are going great. And then 45 minutes into the ride, I get this tap on the shoulder, and my wife is like, Where are we going? And I paused for a moment because I had to look around and realize I had no idea where we were. And as a husband, you know, when you're driving, you always know the directions that you're going. And I said, I'm just exploring. She said, well, you better figure it out quick because I got things to do. Another place my wife likes, she likes Longwood Gardens. Who likes Longwood Gardens? Anybody ever been to Longwood Gardens? If you're tuning in online, check it out. It's a great place. Uh, We got memberships when we first moved here. Somebody gave us these memberships, and and it turned into a membership every year for us. It's my wife's happy place, right? She loves going there. In fact, I think she holds the record for most consecutive visits to Longwood Gardens. She'd live there if I let her, (laughs) But I, on the other hand, I look at it a little bit differently. I'm thinking to myself, how many different flower arrangements could they possibly make that would make me want to walk around the same footpath over and over and over and over again? I want to go somewhere new. I want to explore the unknown. I want to find the unfamiliar. I got this question for you. When you think about God, what do you think of? Do you you see him as unknown? Is, Is your picture terrifying or boring or beautiful? Do you envision him as a being that enforces this set of rules? Or do you see God as someone that looks the other way when we break them? Is he someone that's frustratingly distant or uncomfortably close? Do you see him as an idea that religion is built on or do you see him as a person to have a relationship with? Is he unknown? And these questions aren't new. In fact, the Paul, a leader in the New Testament, he, he dealt and faced these questions pretty regularly. The Bible tells us about a time when he was in the city of Athens. And Athens was this city that was full of different religions and beliefs. And as he's there and walking around, he notices that all over the city were, were these idols that had been built all over the place to these false gods. And the Bible says that it troubled him. So Paul did what Paul does. He starts teaching and preaching about Jesus in the public square. He he runs into some philosophers, and he starts having debates with them. And finally, they, they bring him to the city council, and they ask him, hey, what's this new teaching that you're telling people about? We've never heard it. And this is how Paul responds. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God, this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. So Paul recognizes in this moment the need. He saw there was a lot about God that the people of Athens didn't know, things that were unknown to them. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't know what I believe about God. I don't know what I believe about this Christian thing. It's okay, you're in the right place. Maybe you've been... Or called yourself a follower of Jesus for a very long time, but there's a sense that you want something more out of your faith. Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be diving deep into what it means to really know God, because that's what He wants, and now more than ever, that's what you and I need. We're going to start with this story that's close to the beginning of the Bible. It's in the Book of Exodus, and. It tells this story of a man's encounter with the unknown. His name is Moses. And to give you some background on Moses, he he was the firstborn of his family in a time of slavery. The Israelites had been enslaved by the Egyptians for a lot of years. And this new king that had been appointed issues this decree. He says, all the newborns have to die. Their numbers are growing. They've become powerful, and they may overthrow us. And the Bible teaches that Moses' mom tried to hide Moses. She she tried to hide him after he was born. She hid him for three months. And after three months, when she could no longer hide him, she did something pretty drastic. She finds this woven basket, and she uh, waterproofs it as best as she can. And then she puts Moses in it, and she hides them in the reeds of the crocodile snake-infested Nile River. Crazy, right? Parents, don't get any ideas. And the Pharaoh's daughter finds little baby Moses, and she raises him like a prince in the palace. The scripture says that he was educated in in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in speech and action. So he grows up in the palace, and when he's 40 years old, he says, you know what, I'm going to go visit my people the israelites so he leaves the palace and goes to visit where the israelites were living in egypt and when he gets there he sees an egyptian slave master beating one of his fellow israelites and he gets angry the bible says he looked all around to make sure nobody was looking and then bam knocked the guy out killed him buried him in the sand that's moses he thought no one would find out. Word gets out. The Pharaoh tries to kill Moses, and then Moses is forced to leave the only place he had ever known, the palace for the sand of the desert. And that's where we pick up this story in Exodus 3. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. You ever wonder if you're in the country? Look for somebody named Jethro, all right? This is like the West Virginia of Egypt, okay? That's where he's at. The priest of Midian, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, one of the first things that stands out to me about this story is the the frame of mind that Moses must have been at because he probably thought at this point of his life, he's out of the story. And you say, what what do you mean by that? Well, he was raised in Egypt with this understanding that God had saved him, right? His mom had put him in a basket and floated him in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter had rescued him. Initially, he had to be thinking, God, you put me in the story. You saved me at a time when Egypt was killing all of the newborns. You saved me. I must have been saved For a purpose, I must be part of the story. I've had the the best education. I've been in the best schools. I was brought up in the palace. Man, I, I must be in the story. And then he gets angry, and he kills an Egyptian, and he flees for his life. And now he's out in the desert for 40 years, and life looks a little bit different. I'm sure now he's thinking, man, I'm out of the story that God's done with me because year after year after year after year goes by and nothing, nothing, 40 years go by and he's thinking, man, I'm out of the story. Moses had gone from the highest high to the lowest low because in Egyptian culture, a shepherd was the lowest thing you could do. He's thinking, man, I had it all. I was in the palace. I had it going on. And then great, here I am taking care of some sheep And I'm sure his imagination is running wild at this moment. He's thinking to himself, man, they're just making fun of me back in Egypt. Like moms are looking at their kids and they're like, don't you pull a Moses on me. (laughs) It's the way our minds think. He's probably thinking, man, I'm over. I'm nothing but a shepherd. To take it farther. This is how depressed Moses is. He names his first son Gersha. Not only is that a bad name, but it has an interesting meaning. It means driven or thrust out. Moses was so depressed, so caught in his thoughts. Sure, he's grateful to be alive, but he's thinking to himself, I am in the lowest of lows. I'm so down. I'm just going to name my kid driven and thrust out. Can you imagine meeting people and introducing your kid? Like, just say Moses. He's at the local well. They're drawing some water. He's like, hey, my name's Moses, and this is my son driven and thrust out. They're like, really? Really, Moses? That's what you named your kid? He's like, I don't know. Maybe you've heard of me. I'm kind of a big deal. I used to be with Egypt. I was in the palace. Now I'm a shepherd, and his name is Gersha." Moses was down on life. He had to be thinking, man, I'm done. There's no way. I'm out of the story. Now he's 80 years old at this point, and there's no record in the Bible, nowhere of God ever speaking to Moses up until this point when he's 80 years old. In fact, there's no record of God speaking to anyone for 400 years. Talk about an unknown God. Talk about a dark, left out, no hope, wondering where God is living in the unknown. That's what's got to be going on in his mind. And maybe, just maybe, you can identify with this. I don't feel like God knows where I'm at. I feel like I'm out of the story. I thought he was going to use me, but now he's not. Now I'm on the bench. I don't know if he even knows where I'm at. Let me tell you, he knows where you're at. He has his eye on you. He's going to take care of you. And if he can find Moses in the desert, he can find you wherever you're at right now. And you say, well, I'm just living this whole hum kind of boring, faithful life. Moses faithfully in the desert as a shepherd for 40 years. Can I tell you, that's okay. Be faithful. Keep your attitude positive. Don't try to make things happen on your own. Don't try to get ahead of God and what God wants to do in your life. Moses had been hiding in the desert, waiting. How many of you like to wait? Anyone? And I hate to wait. I hate it. And to be honest, if I was in Moses' shoes, I probably wouldn't have waited that long. I would have tried to take things into my own hands and tried to. Do it. I'd have figured out a way. I'm getting out of the desert with these stinky sheep. I'm gonna make it happen on my own. Recently, I joined uh, an over thirty baseball league. Believe it or not, I'm over 30, I know, I look good. But I joined a baseball league, and let me be clear, it's baseball, not softball, all right? Got a little edge on that. I remember going to my first game and getting into the batter's box for the first time, and I'm kidding, I'm like like 20-some years, to face this pitcher, and he was throwing some real heat. And I hit the ball and I hit this hard ground ball. It was hard, y'all, I promise. Between shortstop and third base, and I began to take off as fast as I can to first base. And, and I got to be honest with you, only 25 steps in, alarms started to go off in my mind because I realized that my legs were not keeping up with my head. I heard a popping noise in my thigh. And I came to this realization that at 40 years old, there's never a reason for me to go from a standstill position to a full on sprint. I'd gotten ahead of myself. I'd gotten ahead of where I needed to be. I I didn't realize in that moment I needed to work myself up and it cost me unnecessary pain. Don't try to get ahead of God. Be faithful. Be ready for that moment that God has, that one day that changes everything for you because God knows where you live. It's important for us to understand that and remember that. Just stay close to him. Keep your attitude right. Stay faithful. Trust that God will figure out how to move you. That's what we have to do. That's what we all have to do. That's what Moses had to do. God was teaching Moses something in his waiting and it's something that all of us need to learn. Your unknown future is in the hands of an all knowing God. He told Moses, He told Moses, Hey, you're in the story. You thought you had 40 years of nothing, but I've been preparing you. You're in the story. And let me speak this over your life. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what step you're in in your faith journey, you're in the story that your unknown future is in the hands of an all-knowing God. Maybe you thought God was done with you, that there isn't a place for you. Maybe, maybe you felt lifeless, stuck in the desert. God wants to know you to know that you have a place in the story, just like Moses had a place in the story. Let's keep reading. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses Moses, he said it twice, make sure he heard him. (laughs) Here I am, Moses replied. First off, I love the way that the Bible tells this story. This is how I picture it. Moses is this 80 year old, scruffy, unshaven, probably smelly man's man. He's out driving these sheep out in the middle of nowhere into the unknown. And then he starts doing something weird, he starts like talking to himself. And at first glance, he sees this burning bush, which isn't all that uncommon. Stuff catches fire from time to time. But what Moses notices is a supernatural phenomenon. The bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning. Moses was living this normal life up until this point. For the last 40 years since he had left the palace, he had been a shepherd. He had seen his share of fires out in the desert. But still, he was attentive to notice that this one was different. He stopped what he was doing. He, he left his herd behind. He started walking toward the bush for a closer look. He said, I must go see it. And there's a lot that we can learn from this little scripture because, can I tell you, I wonder what in your life needs to wait. What on your life needs to be put on hold? What things on your to-do list need to take a back seat? What distractions do you have that are keeping you from faithfully having a time and a place where you're meeting with God consistently? We call it a slot and a spot. What things do you need to leave behind so that you can take a closer look? If we want to know this unknown God, we have to take a step towards him. I want you to catch this. God notices those who notice him. God notices those who notice him. It wasn't until God saw Moses coming to take a closer look that God spoke to him. Maybe you've never seen a literal burning bush, but I guarantee you, if you look back over the course of your life, you could see some significant moments, moments where God has already showed up in your life. It may have been that car accident that you shouldn't have survived it may have been that negative report from a doctor that you recovered from it may it may be that job that you so desperately needed that finally came through it may have been that moment where you made a really stupid mistake and you made this prayer God if you can only get me out of this and he came through for you God notices those who notice him what are those markers in your life Because if you really want to know the unknown God, you've got to take a closer look like Moses. Press pause on what's going on around you. Listen for God's leading. Find a place where you can get alone with God. Why? Because when you're in the presence and the power of God, can I tell you, the voice of God will change your perspective. He'll reveal your purpose, and he'll declare a promise over your life. And here's what God speaks to Moses in this moment. He says, don't come any closer. The Lord warned, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I want you to consider this. Up until this point, Moses was talking and conversating with a talking bush (laughs) somebody just called my name out of a bush and then God mentions hey I'm the God of your father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac the God of Jacob he may not have known the bush he knew these guys these were his heroes and says he covered his face because he knew it was God and the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the impression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. 400 years since he had spoken to anyone, but he was aware. He was aware. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land, It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, is my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So here God has noticed Moses because. Moses notices him, and then God reveals Moses' part of the story. He's like, Hey, I know you're 80, but I got something for you to do. Your story isn't over. He invited Moses into the process. And here's what what excites me, what intrigues me about this is that Moses wasn't perfect, he had some baggage, man. He had some history he had an odd childhood now he smelled like sheep he was a killer and had anger management issues he was far from perfect who would want to follow this guy moses wasn't perfect by any stretch and yet god still used him anybody else feel like that sounds like you and me He tells Moses, take your sandals off. In the culture of that day, what that signified, what that meant was hey, I, I'm a, that's a confession of unworthiness on Moses' part. He's saying, I'm unworthy, God, I'm submitted completely and totally to you. And I can tell you this about you and me we're unworthy. There is nothing that you, can, you or I can ever do that will, will, will somehow force God to be able to say, hey, finally, they're good enough to use. There's nothing that we can do. It's only because of God's grace. And because of his grace, he uses imperfect people. It's one of the things that I love about our church because it's full of imperfect people pursuing God, trying to make a difference along the way. It's our church. Interesting thing, you know how many, you know, when when we walk with our shoes on, we kind of just don't pay attention. You, You ever had those moments? You're just like walking along. You don't pay attention about rocks. There could be glass in the ground, maybe a little stick. It's kind of a careless walk when you have your shoes on. You don't really think much about it. But how many know that when your shoes are off, it is a different story? You pay attention to where you're walking. Maybe you're a parent, and you're in your house, which is supposed to be a safe place, and you step on a Lego. You realize how much you need Jesus in that moment. (laughs) You ever go to the beach and take your shoes off, and you get one of those little spiky things in your feet, sand spurs? Those things are from hell, y'all. One of the first things I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven, why? Were they necessary? You walk different when you walk with your shoes off. You think to yourself, ah, uh, I'm not going to step there. Don't don't, don't step over there. There's something there that could hurt me. And some of us ought to live that way. God, I don't want to step there. I'm taking my shoes off. You're holy, and I'm submitted to you. I don't want to step in that junk in my past anymore. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live carelessly. I want to live used by you, and you're holy. And God, I thank you for using me, even though I'm not a perfect vessel, that I'm an unholy vessel, and I pledge to be more like you, to be more holy and to walk more carefully as you've called me to do. And here's the thing, as you take steps closer to God, the more known He becomes, and the more you know Him, the more like Him you want to be. There's one last thing in this story that stands out to me. All of this was bigger than Moses. Sure, Moses got back into the story after 40 years but that's really not what this was about it wasn't just about Moses having this great experience with a burning bush Oh that was awesome but it was the story was bigger than that his experience was for a purpose the unknown God had become known to Moses for a reason it was about God delivering his people a much bigger story here's how I challenge you this morning. Your experience with God is for a purpose. For some of you, there's been a a passion burning inside of you for a very long time waiting for you to be like Moses, to notice it and take a step towards it. Your experience with God is for a purpose. God's calling you to something that's bigger than you. You're like, man, I I feel this tug to join a J group. Can I tell you it's a bigger story than you? Get over your fear, overcome your fear and say yes. When God tells you to go and serve in just a couple of weeks during Love Week, a time where we go outside these four walls to make a difference in our community and people's lives who are near us and need us, can I tell you, get over your fear and just do it. The story is bigger than you. When God challenges you to give and you think to yourself, I don't know if I can do it, can I tell you, overcome your fear. Trust God, the story is bigger than you. God's got so much going on around us and you get to be a part of it. Don't miss what he wants to do in and through your life. And here's my prayer for you. That God will interrupt are normal. He'll interrupt our faithfulness and he'll say, hey, I've got something bigger for you that's going to advance my kingdom and I want to use you. I know you're not perfect, but I'm going to use you anyways. Your unknown future is in the hands of an all-knowing God. I know you got excuses, but I don't want to hear them. I'm going to use you and I'm going to use you for my glory and my honor. It's bigger than you. Let me use you. Here today, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I needed this reminder that your unknown future is in the hands of an all knowing God, that God notices those who notice Him, that you're a part of the story and the story is bigger than you. I want to pray for you this morning. Let's turn our hearts toward God, Father. Today, God, we lift our hearts to you and we recognize that ultimately you are in control. God, that you have a story that we have a part in. and Lord, today we yield our lives in submission to you and submission to what you want to do. We take a step towards you. We notice what you've done in our past, and we look forward to what you're going to do in our future. And, God, we put our hands and our feet in our hearts in our gifts. We put them in your hands, God, and we say, use us. Use us. Maybe you're here today, and this is your first encounter with What up until this point has been an unknown God? Here's the great news. You can know him. And he wants to know you. He no longer wants to be unknown. He wants a relationship with you. John 3.16 says it best. It says, for God so loved the world, he loves you, that he gave his only son. He gave his very best for you. He gave Moses a burning bush. He gave his son 2,000 years ago on a cross. He initiated this moment. The Bible teaches us that we are all have this issue, that we all have this issue of sin. That's the bad news. The good news is, he says, I came that you can have everlasting life. And here's all you have to do. The Bible says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. In just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer together. If that's you, I want you to pray alongside me. Put your faith in Jesus for the very first time. Believe in your heart that he died and rose again to cover those sins. So that all of us can have an everlasting life. Pray this prayer with me. Father, right now, we recognize our need for a Savior. God, we recognize that there are things in our lives that have to go. Today, Lord, we submit to you. We notice what you did 2,000 years ago, and we take a step towards it. We put our faith in in you this morning, Jesus, and make you Lord of our lives. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer with me today, you put your faith in Jesus for the very first time with nobody looking around, hearts focused on God. Would you just lift your hand in this place? Just lift it up high so that we can see it. No one's looking around. Today was your day, you put your faith in Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand.
1: If you're online, type
0: faith in the comments section. And Journey, would you help me celebrate the decisions that were made in this place today? Come on, put your hands together.